Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Austin Johnson, and I'm excited to be here this morning. We're continuing. Matthew Swallow is in the house, ladies and gentlemen, and excited. I'm excited because we're continuing our sermon series, going through the book of Genesis together. Raise your hand if you've enjoyed so far our journey through Genesis. It's been pretty awesome. Last week, uh, we learned that trees are pretty cool, and you probably learned more about trees than you probably ever thought you really wanted to learn about trees. The good news is that we heard people's response, and you love trees so much, we're going to talk about trees again today. So we're going to talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. So we're in this sermon series going through the book of Genesis, and we're learning that Genesis and really this whole story of Scripture, it's all about God. It's not actually a story about us. It's for us, but it's not actually about us. It's a story about God. A God who takes the unlivable chaos of the world and creates a space of order and beauty so that life can flourish and we can enjoy him. We spent so much time, like we're only in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, but we spent so much time because really to believe the first beginning pages of Scripture sets up the whole rest of their story. And just this idea that maybe, just maybe, some of us, myself included, how I grew up, the story of Scripture kind of started in Genesis 3 with the fall. And that's kind of the story that I've lived into. This world is jacked up and broken place. And yes, it is. But there's so much more beauty when I begin to start with, man, how did this whole thing actually start? What is this teaching me about God and what he's like? And how does that impact where we are today? This is a huge story. So just maybe to recap this big story we're working through together. In the prologue, we see that this is a story about God. And throughout the story, we see that he is the only one who does what is good, right, and perfect every time, all the time. It's God's story. It's huge, and it includes everything, and it should affect everything that we do and all that we are. The story begins in the beginning, where we see God making a good and beautiful world out of unlivable chaos. He makes humanity in his image and gives them the job to care for and rule over all of his creation so it could flourish. But pretty quickly, the plot thickens, and humanity thinks that we have a better idea of how things should run here on earth. Humanity rebels against God. They choose to live in their own ways instead of his. And that's what the Bible calls sin. This whole thing falls apart, which creates a need for the hero. Kind of the whole Old Testament story. It's this story of humanity continuing to move away from God. Continuing to live life in our own ways instead of his. But we see God continues to pursue a relationship of trust with humanity. It's one giant promise, the Old Testament, that God sees us in our brokenness. And one day, he's going to send a hero to save the day. So he 
rescues us in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The creator rescues the entire creation, and he begins to restore it. Jesus came to invite humanity to participate in what he calls the kingdom of God, which is returning once again to live under God's rule and reign. And in the final scene, the scene that you and I are now in here today, it's a new beginning where the creator is renewing human beings through grace, through the work of his spirit, and is beginning to restore his creation until the ultimate restoration when Jesus returns. But the story doesn't just end there. It continues with us. We've all been invited on this mission to help see our world restored back to what God originally intended it to be. That's the story that we're living in. So last week, Pastor Drew walked us through this idea of a tale of two trees. Specifically, we talked about the tree of life. There's these two trees we find in the Garden of Eden at the very center. The tree of life, it's meant there's an invitation to come and to eat and to be satisfied, to come find your life in this tree. Today, like I said, we're focusing in on the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. Now, before we get there, just by a show of hands, as a kid, how many of you put your hand in an electrical outlet and you found out what happened? Okay? Okay? Keep your hand up if you put your hand in the electrical outlet after your parents told you not to. Okay? A couple more people. You can put your hands down. Uh, I, I love, Lashad was telling me, uh, I think it was maybe two weeks ago or so, Justice was, she had a remote control or something. They're saying, Justice, don't touch the remote control. And she's kind of figuring out what's right and what's wrong, how to listen to parents. And there's this moment of Lashad saying, Justice is right there by the remote control. And she's like looking at him. And like reaches out her hand. He's like, don't do that. And she's kind of, okay, just hanging out. But then she kind of starts to go after it. And it's kind of this idea of, okay, am I going to listen to my parents and all of their wisdom? Or am I going to kind of do things how I want to do them? I think Justice ended up taking the remote. She's okay. It's just a remote. Good thing it wasn't an electrical outlet. But I use that illustration because that's actually, I think, a pretty good picture about what we're going to see going on here in the Garden of Eden. I don't know about you, but when I first heard of the tree of knowledge of good and bad, I kind of thought about it in terms of, okay, cosmic evil, like the origin of evil. Where did it come from? But I think what we're going to see here today is it's, it's actually a little bit more interesting. It's a little bit more about who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to trust? So it's important. Well, you've probably heard us use this term, the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. Okay, maybe you're going, okay, that's interesting. We just read it, and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We've been using that word intentionally. Evil isn't like a wrong translation of it necessarily, but in our English language, the word bad is translated as evil. Where in Hebrew, it's this word ra, which in Hebrew, it's much more of this idea of, you know, it's not morally irrehensible. Like in English, if we say evil, well, that kind of only means one thing, right? Like the absolute worst of something, like cosmic evil. But in Hebrew, it's, it's, that's not necessarily what it's trying to communicate. It's kind of more of bad. It's the opposite of good. It's, you know, this was a good hamburger. This was a bad hamburger. I could say this is an evil hamburger, but that doesn't exactly, you know, <laughs> carry the meaning of what's going on. Because it's the idea. Bad people can do evil things, 
But just that word evil kind of in our English language, it automatically makes the jump to the worst absolute possibility. So the word here, that's why we've been using this word good and bad, because the Hebrew word is ra. It's this idea of bad. And the word for good is this word tov, which can mean moral goodness, but it's also it's pleasant. It's enjoyable. Pastor Drew talked about last week, this fully alive life. It's good. Now, I don't think this is the first time we've heard the word good in the story so far. Anybody remember where we've heard that word before in the story? One. Okay, creation. Yeah, at the end of each day, what is God doing? He's creating. I mean, he's looking at it and saying, okay, this is good. I see that this is good. That's the same idea that's being conveyed here. It's kind of this judgment. It's like, man, I'm seeing that this is good. So this story, it's not so much about where does evil come from and cosmic evil. It's actually a story about wisdom. What is wisdom? And where ultimately is humanity going to acquire their wisdom from? So there's these two trees, the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and bad. Of Okay, judging what's good and what's bad. Now, this word knowledge, this is the, the last layer to understanding maybe the Hebrew perspective. We think of knowledge in our, you know, American Western framework. It's this idea of, okay, I read a book, and now I know it. I've got the information. I can take the tests, and I can get the grade, and I know the information. But in the Hebrew world, it's a lot more of you're experiencing it. Wisdom is this, knowledge is this idea of not just something that's external, but it's something I've experienced internally. It's not just do I know how to eat a hamburger. I have actually eaten a hamburger and have felt the side effects of making such a decision. It's this, it's this internal, it's like this experience that's going on. So this story, it's this story about how is humanity going to actually acquire the wisdom that they need. So the perspective. In our Western culture, this is a story kind of about yin, yang, good, evil, cosmically. But the Eastern perspective, it's a story about wisdom and trust, about good and bad. Who do we trust for our source of wisdom? This is important because think about this. Why did God create humanity? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Remind me, why did God create humanity? Relationship? Yeah, yeah. What else? Say what? Yeah, cultivating spaces of delight to experience God. You got to think humanity is created in the image of God. They're his representatives. They're his image bearers that are here to care and cultivate the earth. What do we need in order to do that? Wisdom, right? In order to make decisions about, okay, let's kind of cultivate over here. Let's take some time to garden over here and naming animals. Like, what does humanity need? Well, we need wisdom in order to do this. So the question isn't if we need wisdom. Like, that's actually part of our whole purpose on this earth. Like, we need wisdom to care and cultivate and create spaces for people to discover the beauty of Jesus. So the question then that dances in between these two trees is how is a humanity going to go about acquiring the wisdom that they need 
the wisdom they need to help cultivate the hidden potential of the earth to rule with justice, equity, and beauty. Who will they trust? This is a story about wisdom. So I'm going to read again Genesis 2, 15 through 17, and it will guide the rest of our time together. The Lord took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. The Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or bad. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. So it's important to remember that both of these trees are in the middle of the garden. So for humanity, there's this ever-present choice. Am I going to choose to eat of the tree of life, the, the true tree? I'm walking with God. I'm letting him give me wisdom in his good and right timing. Or am I going to acquire wisdom for myself, the tree of the knowledge of good and bad? And we didn't read it in this text, but in this story, we actually see that in the cool of the day, God is walking with humanity. Like each and every day, God is coming and he's walking with humanity. And you've got to be thinking, what is he doing? Well, he's in a relationship with them. He's beginning to teach them, okay, what is good, tov, and what is ra, bad. He's giving them all that they need as they're eating of the tree of life. He's giving them what they need to rule with wisdom, to be his image bearers. So the choice is, will they trust God or will they believe that we, as humans, or themselves, have a better understanding of what's good and bad? What's good, right, and perfect and act upon it. That we are actually better qualified to manage the knowledge of good and bad for ourselves. But fundamentally, this is really the question for them then and for us today. Can you trust God? Like, you guess that's kind of the question that they're faced with. And for many of us, that's the question that we all wrestle with. Can I actually trust God? But what I think is interesting about this text, and what even when I think of can I trust God, typically I'm thinking about, okay, can I trust God with my afterlife? Can I trust God with my forever? But you got to think, at this point, Adam and Eve probably don't know much about what we would think about as an afterlife. They, you know, they've just been created. They're walking with God. So this question for them is not so much can I trust God with my forever. It's the question, can I trust God for right now? Like with today. So the question for humanity here, and I think the question for us today is not just can you trust God with forever, but can you actually trust him today? Like right now. Can I trust him for my source of wisdom when I'm continuously sick? Or when I lose my job? Can I trust him when relationships get messy and I don't know what to do? Can I trust him with my kids when they're out of control or they're a prodigal? Can I trust him with my finances? This isn't just an awesome game of if you can trust God with your eternity. This is like, no, like just like right now, can I trust God? Because so many of us, we'd say, yes, I, I believe, you know, trust Jesus for forever. But the real piece of, man, do I, do I trust him today? Like for what I need right here today. 
Can I trust God for my afterlife to avoid hell? That's maybe part of the equation. But if you think, again, this is this idea of that's the tension that's dancing in between the two trees. So far, all they've known, they've known is God has been faithful. And he's given them what they needed each and every day. But there's this choice. Am I going to choose to trust God? Or am I going to choose to trust myself? So, Needless to say, this brings up a couple of questions that a lot of people have asked over the ages. And we probably won't get to all of those questions or get some surefire answers. But it begins to even come up of, not only can I trust God, but why would God even put this tree in the garden? Like, what, why would God do that? Like, if he knows that there's a propensity for people to screw up and to mess up, and to things to go south, why would he even put the tree in the garden? Why would he put something there that has the propensity to cause death? Like it says, hey, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. What does that mean? I'll, I'll touch on that just for a second. This idea of dying, it's not this idea of you eat it and you drop down dead. That's not exactly what's being conveyed here. What literally it means, this is a story about wisdom. That Hebrew word for die it's the idea of dying prematurely, most likely by neglect of wise moral conduct. So it's not just you're going to drop down dead, but it's going, hey, you're going to begin to live life in your own ways. And life's not going to go as it was meant to go. And so it's going to be cut short. That's literally what the idea of, of death is here. So being reminded this is a story about wisdom, not a story about the origins of evil. I think this is teaching us God is after a relationship of trust with humanity. God's after a relationship of trust. He's pursuing a relationship of trust. Now, I wonder how many of you guys have met my friend Sam. He is a robotic dog. Anybody ever had a Sam in their life? Ever owned a robotic dog? Nobody. Walking down the Walmart aisle, I'm like, I don't need that, but that's, you know, impulse buy. Like, I'm just going to go try it out. No, but okay. You, hold up your hand if you know conceptually what this does. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. So it's a robotic dog, okay? It's a robot that you tell it what to do, and it just responds to you, right? So this is my friend Sam, and if I call to my friend Sam, what is he going to do? He's going to come. Why? He's a robot right? That's what it does. There's no choice. It's, hey, he's going to come. And do I get to enjoy him coming? Sure, yeah, but it's like he, that's what he's kind of programmed to do, right? And then this is my other dog who I named Pip. Really cute. Just kidding. I don't actually own these dogs. Just So don't ask to come meet my dogs. I don't actually own any, any dogs. This is my friend Pep, Pip, okay? Uh, so if I say, come here to Pip, what might happen? If he gets trained, hopefully, eventually, we're gonna, he's going to come. But if I look at the photo of where he is now, we're in the potty training phase. So the idea of listening doesn't always go how we, how we want it to go. But I would imagine there's a difference. If I say, come here, when Pip comes, there's so much more joy than when Sam comes. Sam's going to come every single time, right, because that's what he's programmed to do. But Pip, there's, man, when he comes, there's an enjoyment. Why? Because there's a relationship. 
I got married about two and a half years ago. Praise God. We did it. I need, yeah. But when I asked my wife to marry me, if she had to say yes, would it actually have been very cool or sweet? No, it's like somebody paid her off, right? Like, hey, we know Austin needs some help. If you could just, he's 50 grand, just, you know, weather the storm for a little bit. No, there's an idea of there's a relationship that's here. That ultimately God is pursuing a relationship of trust with humanity. So that, that, but that brings us back to the question, can I actually trust God? Can I trust him? Not just with my afterlife, but with today. Because this idea of trust, there's an idea of choice that's there. Without choice, you don't actually have love and intimacy. So who can you and who will you trust your heart to? Will humanity trust that God is the best qualified to manage and define what's good, right, and perfect? Continue to receive his invitation to eat of the tree of life? Or will we decide that we are the best qualified to manage it for ourselves? But here's what I think is interesting. We're going to see in the story later, humanity decides that we can do it for ourselves. That we decide, you know what, God, maybe even I'll trust you for later. But at least right now, I don't think I can actually trust you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one. This one, I think I've got a little bit better idea of what, what is wise, what's good, right, and perfect. So I think even if we're not listening from God for our definition of what's good, right, and perfect, we all are listening to someone or something for our definition of what's good, right, and perfect. You think about influencers, celebrities, right, becoming TikTok famous. Really, why are they so popular? Well, there's a group of us that believe, hey, I really like this person's idea about blank. And we're letting them define for us what's good and bad, what's good, right, and perfect. We're going, you know what, I don't think God's got a really great idea about this, but I kind of like what this person's saying. So I'm going to kind of sit underneath them. I'm going to eat of the fruit of their tree. Instead of going, man, God, I, I do trust you, even when it doesn't make sense. So we're left with a choice. Not about if we should be wise, but how are we going to acquire wisdom and who will we trust as the ultimate source of who defines what's good, right, and perfect. We'll talk about this in depth in future weeks, but it's so significant when you see this. When the snake is talking with Eve and asking if God really said you can't eat of the tree, is what he's asking her. Did God really say you can't eat of the tree? Eve says yes. But then she saw it. It looked good. She took it and ate it. There's this idea of, okay, yeah, I know God said this. But right now, I don't think I can actually trust God because what I'm seeing here is giving me an immediate impact on what I'm feeling or what I'm experiencing. This is an immediate out. This is an immediate opportunity for me to go, you know what? I think God is holding out on me. So therefore, I'm going to take it into my own hands and I'm going to do this. So this is the question all of us as humans have to ask. Who are we letting define what's good, 
right, and perfect in your life? Yourself, others. We talked about at Easter, our shrunken view of Jesus or God. So as we continue in this story, we see in Genesis 3, 6, if you want to flip over there with me, what happens, because we do make the, the choice, that we know what's best, that we begin to define what's good and bad for ourselves. Genesis 3, 6, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, I'd never seen this before this week, but so far, we sit, we've seen in the story, after the end of each day of creation, what does God say? This is good, right? This is the first time the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. Then the story so far, this is the first time humanity is making a judgment of what's good and bad independent of God. This is the first time of going, I see this, which means it's good. I'm going to take it. So I don't actually think I can trust God that he's going to satisfy me, that he's going to be the provision for my needs. Whatever it is that he says is wise, I don't think I can actually trust him. It's mankind deciding for themselves that they are better qualified, we are better qualified to manage the knowledge of good and bad and what's good, right, and perfect than God is. It's mankind being ruled by their passions and desires instead of living under God's authority. Now, in the story, you'll begin, as you continue to read, there's this phrase that begins to come up. That humanity can begins to do what's good in their own eyes. What was right in their own eyes. And what happens? Things don't get better. As we continue to define what's good and bad for ourselves, the world continues to cycle deeper and deeper into brokenness. But this is the hard thing. So many of us, there's this... You know, for them, the idea was they did what was right in their own eyes, right? That's, that's what you're beginning to see in the story. For us today, there's a different way that that's communicated. My truth. Ultimately, it's, man, I'm doing what's right in my own eyes. Of I don't think I can actually trust God or what someone else has to say. That This is my truth. But this is the problem. Fundamentally, when you have your truth... And you're defining for yourself what's good, right, and perfect, what's good and bad. And when someone else has their truth of what they believe is good, right, and perfect, good and bad, what happens? Well, now there's disagreement. Now there's misunderstanding. Now there's division. Lashad talked about a couple weeks ago. Humanity created in the image of God. Two halves put together to accomplish God's mission. But when we begin to define good and bad for ourselves, what does that create? Now there's Division. We're not working together to accomplish God's mission anymore. Now it's, well, this is my truth. It feels good to me. But what's happened? Our world is jacked up and broken. Our world is not getting better. It's continuing to spiral out of control. And the question all comes back to, can you trust God? Can you actually trust him with your anxiety? Can you trust him with your sexuality? Can you trust him with your finances? 
Can you trust him with absolutely every part of your life, not just your afterlife? Man, my kids, out of control. They've been gone for a while. Man, can I actually trust God? You see, the beautiful thing is that trusting God, I know it's, you know, even growing up in a churchy background, it's kind of like this big pie in the sky kind of thing. Like, just keep trusting God, brother. Like, just trust God. Be blessed. But it's so much more than that. Because you see in this story, God's pursuing a relationship of trust. And it's not just this pie in the sky, God, I trust you and I'm living my life. No, he's walking with them in the cool of the day. So trusting God isn't absent of God. Trusting God is actually being dependent and walking with him. This idea that we've been invited to explore the depths of who God is. To explore his vastness and his deepness of walking with him, of going, hey, it's actually not passive. Trusting God is the least passive thing. I would actually say to, you know, God, I trust you, and then just kind of throwing up a prayer and then living life, like, okay, God's got me, is probably actually the opposite of trusting God. Because we're not actually pursuing, man, God's pursuing a relationship of trust, but it's about, man, we're sitting with him. We're listening. We're learning to hear what his voice sounds like. We're eating again of the tree of life, and then we're living out what it is that we hear him speaking to us. Now, does he speak in the perfect ways that we want him to speak? No, absolutely not. But that's why we have people in community. That's where you go, like, man, I'm really, in a little bit, we're going to talk about maybe what's, what are some areas that you're struggling to trust God, and how have you seen him prove himself true? Because we need people to go, you know what? Not just this pie in the sky, I trust God, but, yeah, and I've seen God do blank. I can testify that he actually is trustworthy, that he is actually good, that if we're going to walk together even when we don't hear anything. So the question is, can we trust God? And if many of us probably say we don't trust God with absolutely every part of our life, how is that working out? Hey, how are we actually doing? Like managing the knowledge of good and bad for ourselves. This is a question somebody asked me a couple months ago, and I love it. Do you think humanity was ever created to be the managers of good and bad? And to be the managers of what's good, right, and perfect? Or is that something that we're always meant to actually be dependent on a relationship with God? We're always meant to be in a relationship with him and walking with him and letting him teach us in his own timing Man, this is good. This is bad. Giving us the wisdom that we need to live. So I don't think we're doing a great job today of walking and trusting God or defining for ourselves what's good, right, and perfect. But if you fast forward a couple thousand years from the story that we, we read about, we find another person who's in a garden. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We find Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He just had a meal with his friends. He's talking with God about how he's feeling. And there's this choice that he kind of has. Like he knows he's about to go to the cross and be sacrificed for humanity to be reconciled back to God. There's the same thing. He's in a garden, like flashing red lights. He's in a garden. And there's this choice. Am I going to continue to trust God and trust God's plan? 
Or am I going to go for myself and go, you know what? My truth says that's not fun. <laughs> My truth says that doesn't feel great. But instead, what do we see Jesus do? He does what all of humanity has continued to fail to do. He goes, God, I trust you. I'm going to walk in a relationship of trust with you. Jesus walked in a relationship of trust. And in doing so, he created a space for us to discover the beauty of a relationship of trust with the Father, too. So the story of the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, it's not so much a story about cosmic evil and where did it come from. It's actually a story about wisdom. A story about how is humanity going to go about acquiring the wisdom that we do need. We, do we need wisdom to parent our kids? I don't have kids yet, but I've been around enough kids to know absolutely you need wisdom when parenting your kids. I've gone, who are we actually going to trust when it comes to my finances, when it comes to absolutely every part of my life? Who are we going to trust? That's the question we have today. So this is how we're going to kind of end our time together is to create a space for us to actually do that together in community. So we're going to break up into groups of kind of two to four, the people that you came with. Really, the question is pretty simple. What's an area of your life where it's hard to trust God right now? You'll share that with people. Like, I, honestly, I'm struggling to trust God with this area of my life. Maybe it's my finances. Maybe I don't have a job and I'm trying to figure it out. Maybe it's my kids. I don't, I don't know what to do with my kids. But just being willing to share, honestly, these are, these are the two trees I'm kind of dancing in between. What's an area where it's hard to trust God right now? And then to share, what's an area in your life? And don't, you don't feel pressure to come up with an answer. If you haven't seen anything, you don't have to say anything. You just be honest. But what's an area of your life where you have seen God prove his trustworthiness? Maybe even as somebody sharing, hey, this is an area that I'm really struggling right now. Somebody else can actually go, you know what? I can testify to you that I have seen God do this in my life. And we get to encourage one another. And then uh, if you get to this last question, great. If not, no worries. But what would begin to change if you began to live under and trust God's definition of what's good, right, and perfect in your life? So we're going to break up in these groups, two, kind of two to four, and just begin to share. Hey, honestly, this is where I'm struggling with right now. An area of my life where I'm struggling to trust God. And then share. Man, this is where I've actually seen God's faithfulness and his trustworthiness at work. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.